Romans 12, 1, NLT reads, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how uh, learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you will, those same verses now in the Christian Standard Bible. And it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. As you are taking your seats, help me introduce the title for today's message. Everyone say, A, a, transformed, a transformed Community. You may take your seats. A transformed community. A couple of weeks ago now, we started a sermon series entitled This Is Us. This Is Us is a series where we go to remind ourselves of the vision of our church. One of the gifts that has happened at Emmanuel is God continues to add to our number. New people keep coming. And what that also means is there might be people who have absolutely no idea what the vision of our church is. You've been coming. You're like, at least they don't seem completely crazy. I'm willing to keep going for right now. Uh, but that being said, it is good for you to know exactly what it is that we believe and the community that we are becoming. What vision is, is not a declaration of who we are. It is a communication about who we desire to be. It is our forward thought. It is us believing and seeing where God is leading us. And so I want to communicate what the vision of our church is. I believe we have this available for the screens, but I'll read it. I really want us to get into this because I think this is actually really, really important. The vision of our church is a community of Christ followers being transformed by the word, inspired by love, impacting the world. I'll say it again a community of Christ followers being transformed by the word, inspired by love, impacting the world. First, we started off in the first week to get a deeper understanding of what it means to be community. This idea of community does not mean a group of individuals or a service of individuals. Well, we all come to a worship space, whether virtually or in person, and we sit in proximity with others, but there is no connection with others. Community flies in the face of a show up but no relationship mantra. And, and I, I said it earlier, and I just want to be very honest. If the goal is to come to church, 
to never be known by any of the people that you come to church with, not to participate in any of the ministries or any of the work or any of the burdening together, this may not be the best church for you. There may be other places where they want you just to show up and you can sit in the background. And this doesn't mean that you have to be on stage and do all of these things. However, this does mean that we need to care about one another. More than just I'll smile, but I'm willing to burden with you. And this idea of koinonia, the fellowshipping, is a much broader term. This is not just showing up for a chicken meal together. This is also showing up to suffer together, meaning that when we have people in our community who are hurting, the community also hurts. But when we have people in our community who are glorying in the amazing things of God, we can glory with them. And that means that this is radically different because I am not hating on you when God is blessing you. I, I, let me say this again because I, I think I might need to park here. I want to create the information and the understanding that we are the people that that we can celebrate with you instead of hate on you. We want to see God blessing you. We want to be able to celebrate God with you when you get promoted, when things are going well. We want to say thank God even if it isn't happening to us because we know that if God is willing to bless some in our community, that means that God is in the neighborhood. And if God is in the neighborhood, you just never know what may happen. It would be wonderful if we had a few more so community means that we actually care, we're involved, we're connected, and we burden things together. That's the only way that this works. This is why church is very different than many other organizations. I know that there are a variety of places you can go. You can get connected with a whole bunch of folks, but we're connected about a certain thing with each other in the age of false connection. We live in the age of false connection. So much so that we're having to relearn how to connect again. It is a skill that we have to learn. Families are going through it. I was just telling my wife, we were driving the other day and everybody was on a device, except for the person who had to drive. <laughs> And what this means is, how do we now reconnect in spaces that used to be so much easier to do so, now we have to work. And this also means, and I want to hold this, uh, and if you know me well, I do my best not to try to lie or not to try to uh, acknowledge the difficulties, because this does not mean that community doesn't have hurt and pain and people who have misused community. Some of you would have loved somebody within the community and they used you. And all of a sudden now, we're ready to throw away all community because of one situation or three or four situations. You never know, sometimes it's multiple people. All of this flies in the face of what community is. And then Pastor Tony came up to make sure that we understood that we're not just a community, but we're a community of Christ followers. We chose that terminology very intentionally because sometimes when you hear Christian now, you go to a very different understanding of what we mean. And that doesn't mean I have an issue with Christian. I was just trying to make sure before you jump to that, you understood what we were trying to say. The word Christian does mean 
follower of Christ, one who is like Christ. The fact that the early uh, Christian community didn't even like the term because they didn't think that they could even live up to the very uh, standards of Jesus Christ. They didn't want Christ's name appended to them. They just said, call us followers of the way. We're not good enough to live up to that standard. But of course, over time, things change. So the notion of Christian is connected to Christ, that we're literally trying to be like Christ in all the ways that we live. And so we call it, we follow Christ. We follow the ideology, the teachings, even the way of living that Christ has. And to better explain that, we leaned into transformed by the word, inspired by love, and impacting the world. Now, in our text today, this text is actually really amazing. Um, This I would call, I would call the book of Romans Paul's magnum opus, meaning that after all the work that he had been doing, after all of his theological growth, and I think we need to be able to say stuff like that. So I want y'all to hear your pastor say this first. This means that Paul didn't always understand everything the exact same way, but over time, Paul's understanding of life grew, his understanding of the faith grew, and this is almost like after he had gone, after he had loved, after he had worked, after he had been jailed, after he had been shipwrecked, after a whole bunch of stuff had happened, Paul now says, let me tell y'all as best as I understand it, the way I see the faith. And he begins to pin this in a way that the Jewish believers at the time would understand because there was a lot of them congregating in Rome. But he also was called the apostle to the Gentiles. Jews, who Jesus is in the line of, and Gentiles, everybody outside the chosen people. Paul is writing this now because he says when Christ comes, and this is why you got to go through this book, he says this begins to change how we understand God's people. People who used to not be a part of the chosen have now been grafted into the chosen because of the gift of Jesus Christ. So now, although this does not mean that the children of Israel are not still amazing, this means that the same gifts, the same benefits, and the same relationship that have been granted to them has now been open to those who may not have been born into the faith, but God did something in the person of Jesus Christ to make them available for the faith. So now they can walk hand in hand and the same beauty that God had for them is now for all of these other folk. And I don't think it's ironic that we're in this text as we're literally watching a war between Israelis and they say it's Palestinians, it's really Hamas, which is a form of, but how this pulls on even our faith. What does this mean? I've literally heard pastors say that this is what Revelation had been talking about. And I personally don't take a very literalist view of Revelation. It's an allegorical book. You have to be cautious for how you interpret it. Because sometimes interpreting something that was meant to be figurative and um, and image bearing then causes you to think something that may not be true. And I just want you to let let you know what your pastor thinks, right? Because this is good for you to know. I don't connect current day nation Israel with biblical children of Israel. There is overlap, but the two are not exactly the same. 
Now give me grace. I'm not going to give you a history lesson on all that. We can go to that at a different time. But that being said, I still recognize that there is a power happening and there is division happening primarily around two groups who are not completely adverse religiously, but maybe more aligned and akin than we know. Paul is writing, trying to help us understand now that Jesus has not come back immediately, how does this group who has known themselves as the chosen now live with another group that has been added to the chosen? And life, life is not completely making sense. There are behaviors and customs and traditions that are vastly different. So how do you live together? And Paul begins to write, and I'm literally, I'm telling you, you go through all of this, he builds this absolute amazing case, and then our text picks up and says, therefore. Therefore is a connector. Meaning, based upon everything that I've built up since chapter one, now we get to this space. And of course, this was a letter, so it wasn't like chapters. We've done the chapter divisions for our own benefit. Now that we get to that point, hear now the word of God. Therefore, or and so, brothers and sisters, and, and I like the way that the CSB says this, this was slightly closer to the, um, the Greek text. It says, in view of God's mercies. Since God has not given us everything we deserve, since we now know rightly that we do not stack up to God's standard. Since we have been told and we know that the wages of sin is death and all of us have sinned. Since we now know that there are two natures at war on the inside of us and far too often the negative nature wins. Since we now know that no matter how good we try to be, we're nothing but filthy rags in front of God. Since we now know that we burden God's heart and break God's heart again and again. Since we now know that God loved us so much that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Since we now know that no matter what will come your way, if you are aligned with God's purposes, all things shall work together for the good. Since we now know about what the mercies of God look like, it says, therefore, we ought to change and live differently. In fact, it gives us view of the temple we ought to present our bodies. We ought to present our lives. We ought to give the very essence of who we are back over to God. And I know this, this doesn't sound as, as connectable because we don't do this now. Right? In the temple, before you could go in, the recognition of your sin will cause you to make a sacrifice. To be reminded of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of me, before I can even enter in, I had to acknowledge my sinfulness with the gift to say, I know I'm unworthy. I know I don't deserve it. And therefore, I give you the purest thing I can give you now just so I can get in proximity of who you are. 
And since we go to church now and walk in like we like God owe us something, since we go to church and it costs us nothing, since we walk around like we can be in the presence of an almighty holy God as messed up as we are and put demands on God without ever having to do something, we miss this understanding. And Paul is saying you can throw away your lambs, you can throw away your animals. That is not even the essence of true worship. That was just to try to get your mind right. You ought to be presenting everything that you are. He says, present your body. Present the way you live. Present how you act. Present how you respond when somebody gets on your nerves. Present how you responded in the meeting. Present the email that you sent. Present the, 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 the resources that you have. Present all the stuff that you claim to be your own to the altar before a holy and wonderful God. And this ain't even amazing. <laughs> Everything that you could offer that is you, that don't even stack up to be an awesome offering. That's considered reasonable. And I promise I want, to get to, I want to get to what I want to say, but I can't help but lean into this. Why would everything that I am only be reasonable? Why would me giving everything that I have only be reasonable? I, I know I'm not the perfect person, but I think I'm a darn good person. Why would that just be reasonable? Because now you're not comparing yourself to other people. But if you think about the creator of heaven and earth, if you can think about the one that spoke and then things started to become, if you can think about the one that holds the stars in his hand, the one with all power, everything that you are means nothing says this is reasonable this is the the least you could do because you owe God everything and even in the the midst of your sin God did not wait for you to get yourself right but as bad as you were God sent you a gift he says this is reasonable therefore do not be conformed to the patterns or the ways of this age or this world, but be transformed. Conformed versus transformed. Conformity means that we remold, we build, we yield to something that already is. We try to remodel after we take on the ideas of. Transform means to change an essential nature, to make it completely other than what it had been prior. And it is my belief, I'm gonna offer this for, for your own review. I think more of us have actually tried to conform to the faith than be transformed by it. I think the challenge for many of us in trying to live lives as followers of Christ is the only thing that we really know how to do is conform. So we go around with a list of things 
that we're trying to do. Let me act more like, let me speak more like, let me do more like, we try to do it. And there are seasons and periods where we're successful, times where we're better able to bridle our tongue, times where we're better able to be kind and compassionate, times where we're better able to exude the love of Christ. And then, if any of you are like me, it's like you build up. And after a while, you can feel that you might not be able to hold on to this too much longer. You one more argument away. <laughs> you one more person cutting you off away. Uh, you want to say, hold on, Jesus, I'll be right back. I just need to handle this situation. I still love you, but they don't understand me trying to speak like you, so I need to translate it to their language. See, God, I'm just trying to tell you I'm bilingual. I've learned how to speak the world's language. And since they don't understand your language, let me break it down in a way that maybe you can understand. Because you thought I was weak. You thought you was going to walk in here and say whatever you wanted to say to me. But let me let you further know. Right? We bilingual, right? We bilingual. And it is my belief that the reason why we respond like that is because we are living far more into conformity than being transformed. So pastor, what do you mean? What does transformation look like? The Greek word that, that we get is meta, um, let, me, let me make sure I pronounce this right because I was about to make it up. <laughs> Metaphomai, right? So uh, this is the word, this is the same root word that we get metamorphosis from. And one of the greatest metamorphoses that we often speak about is that of the butterfly. Now, when you think about a butterfly, you don't think about a caterpillar. The butterfly not only does not look like it started, it does not move like it started, it does not even worry about the same things as it did when it started. And watch this. The way it is received is different than when it was started. Everything we know about it is different. If you bring these two things together, you would say the two have nothing to do with one another because one slides across the ground, the other flies upon the wind. One is one color and ugly, the other is beautified with all types of color. One, we don't worry about one, we wish, we wish a butterfly would land on us. And I guarantee the same folks that are wishing for a butterfly we have a big problem if a caterpillar crawled across your finger. Because transformation, hear this, transformation is a changing inward, outward, that makes us completely different. And this is what Paul is writing for us to do, not just individually, but as a community. Meaning that we have to be cautious of the patterns of thought and the mimicking of thought that we bring from outside in and not the things that we're taking 
inside out. If we truly were living into the fullness of our transformation, we should be able to transport or export Christian transformation outside of the Christian church. But it would be so different that people probably would think you were crazy. Stay with me. I promise I'm going to get to this. If every way you act is perfectly accepted by people who have no understanding of Jesus, you may not be transformed in all the ways that you think you are. Watch this. Scripture says then, but don't be conformed to this age. Don't act like them. Don't think, don't take on their patterns of behavior. But first be transformed, number one, by how you think. Everybody say transformed thinking. Paul writes that he believes that the essence of who we are, before we even get to the behaviors, starts in how we think. So, how do you change how you think? How do you change how you think? Maybe one of the hardest things in life to do is to change your own mind. I didn't talk about nobody else changing your mind. I'm talking about you changing your mind. How many times have you started a habit, bad or good, said, you know, I need to make tweaks, and found out that your pattern of behavior had taken over so much that you kept doing the things that you promised yourself you wouldn't do no more. I'm thinking differently. So I thought, but yet, my actions haven't shifted. In fact, sometimes my thinking ain't really shifted. So God, how do we transform the way we think? Paul says, this is, this is already set up. Because the, the way the word is written, it is not that you do the transforming. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. Community, hear me, hear me. So the way the word is set up, it is it's passive. So passive terms, whenever they're in Greek, this is something happening to you, right? But it's an imperative, meaning it's a command, that you're commanded to let something happen to you. You're commanded to let something happen to you. That means that the only way that it doesn't happen to you is if you're fighting the thing that's already trying to change you. Paul is saying, I am so persuaded that if you get connected with God, if you start studying God's word, if you begin to be around the community, there will be changes that happen. The only way that you don't change is for you to fight transformation. Everybody say fighting transformation. I think we have too many churches full of individuals who show up to church every Sunday, show up to church monthly, show up to church sometimes, and then think, oh, I was the only one. I caught you somebody. Okay, amen. We have too many people that show up, but they fight being changed by God because they think they know better than God. So, when God is telling us something ain't right, 
We come up with all the reasons why we can justify it. Well, see, you don't understand. See, I mean, of course God don't mean it like that. I mean, that's crazy, right? That's crazy. Because we want to fight transformation because, can I be honest with you? The Christian faith is crazy. I know, I know you don't think that. The Christian faith is crazy. And not crazy in the way that we got to go and stand with the cross and be angry and vitriol. No, no, no. But the Christian faith might actually ask you to love your enemies. So then, what would it look like if the church actually went towards the people that the church says are evil in a loving way? So maybe if there's this belief that LGBTQ is wrong, maybe we should be at the parade handing out water and loving on them. Because that would actually be the church's response, as opposed to standing up hating on everybody just because we think that we got some information when the truth is we haven't gotten and been transformed. Maybe this is why we should be signing a petition to stop a war, especially since we know our own country is getting ready to get pulled into it, not because somebody didn't do something wrong, because we ought not to respond in kind. Fire doesn't fight fire, and we should be able to stand up and say, this is not the response. And I'll say it again, I'll push further. I am personally broken that over 3,000 children have been killed by Israel in response to what Hamas did. Yes, what Hamas did was wrong, it's deplorable. I believe, and I've signed a petition to say that they need to release every single hostage. That should be what we're working for, but to continue to kill children is not the proper response, and we cannot act like this is what God would have us to do. I cannot see it, I do not understand it. It does not line up with transformed community. Transformed. This means that God actually calls us to do things in community that don't make sense. This means that we actually don't get angry at everybody over everything. This means we actually try to care. I know this is, this is crazy, but we actually help. We actually help. And not in the ways that sound good. Not the soundbite type help. Not the TikTok type help. Not the help that we can sell to make us look good because we're really just selling a brand and not really being a transformed community. But real help. He says, and you're transformed, and this happens, number one, by the changing of your mind, which you don't do, but happens to you, and you know how it happens? by actually consulting God, number one, through the word of God. I think it is absolutely amazing that I've run into more followers of Jesus, notice the quotes, who don't believe in the scriptures. They believe in an understanding they have made up about Jesus and they are following that, which actually means they have created an idol, and they are worshiping an idol. 
because that is not the actual Christ. And that doesn't mean that we don't continue to learn and we're going to grow and all, but it has to have a space by which we learn it. It starts in Scripture. Then it's the Spirit of God that helps to discern this in us. We become more open and available. And last but not least, it's in the community. So you actually can't be a Christ follower all by yourself. It's impossible because you by yourself cannot inhabit and embody the fullness of Christ, which is the head of the church. <laughs> says, be transformed. And this transformation, this renewing, this changing of your mind happens by you allowing God to do it. We don't have to fight it. It's hard. It's hard. And some of you wonder why you keep getting put in the same situations. It's because we keep failing. And so the Lord got to keep giving you the same test. That's why that same coworker keeps coming up to you. This is why that same boss keeps picking on you. No, okay, may not be the exact same reason. But I'm saying there's lessons to be learned. He says, transform, renewing, and then... All of a sudden, now your behavior changes. That we don't just try to change behavior to act like we are saved. But our thinking allows us to actually change them in ways that are far more consistent and long-term. I'll say this is just, as, just as a personal testimony, right? I've had a number of people tell me that they really think that I'm a very calm and collected individual. I can get into difficult situations. I'm able to bridle my tongue and everything. And I'm always amazed because I know my inner conversation. <laughs> and I recognize that on occasion, my outward exterior doesn't always match what I'm actually thinking. And so people are saying things, I'm smiling, I'm receiving, I'm even able to say things back in a kind way. I'm so sorry you feel that way. That is not how that was intended. That's what I say. Now, in my head, I've thought a whole bunch of other things. Are you kidding me? You need to bring your tone down because you're yelling at me one more time and your name is not Darlene Reynolds. We about to have a problem. Like, that's what I'm thinking. And I've recognized that we have literally made the idea of humanity synonymous with anti-Christ. Hear this, and then I promise I'm, I'm, we'll be done. Every time we hear somebody say, but I'm only human, it always follows some type of action or thought that is anti the way that we know God would have us to live. Therefore, we're building the case that to be human means to be anti-Christ. We don't even pay attention, this is what we're doing. So then, watch this, when somebody's actually living a life that is more conformed to Christ, we don't think that they're being real. You're faking it, because humans are adverse to Christ. And we've built it up. So then, what do we ever expect out of our churches? Either everybody in there is a hypocrite and they lying, or everybody in there is offensive and we don't want to go. So literally we're creating a community that can't stand. Because the truth is we have people that are all along the journey. There will be people further along. There will be people who just started. There will be folks that are transforming at different weights. And I can't say exactly what each individual will look like, but the movement of the community 
is conforming to the very image of Jesus Christ. This is our vision. We want to be a transformed community, renewed by the way we think. And that means it's open to any and everybody. I'll say this. I don't know. I think this might be the first time I've said this out loud at church. So give me grace. Part of what I desire for our church, Emmanuel, to embody in this transformed state is to be a African-American multicultural church. Can I say it again? Because these seem like they bump into each other because it's multicultural. Why is it African-American, right? Because the truth is most multicultural churches really are not multicultural churches. You know this. They are Euro churches that everybody else comes to. And we're fine to go to Euro churches because Euro is our standard. But it's hard for us to say, well, what about if we allow something else to sit more central but still be welcoming to everyone? When the true thing is there probably is no other group of people besides that that are Native Americans that are more American than the African-American population that has had to develop in a space in America where it has not been desired. Therefore, to develop in a space where you weren't supposed to thrive and still figure out a way to thrive, to develop in a space and not turn into everything else. Do you know we have never turned into Hamas? We have never tried to blow up America. We've never got a militia. We've never Never said we gonna take down all whitey we've never done it now I'll be I'll be honest just look at me just look at me I'm gonna tell the truth on us y'all so just forgive me sometimes we say stuff right like we, we might say some things but it's just to let it out right it ain't the real heart so so you might be like ooh, hear this in context please it's gonna sound terrible I hate whitey see you know what I'm saying but like That don't mean I hate all white people. That means I hate the consciousness of white superiority that constantly says, I am not valued. Yet, when given the opportunity, the black church has always opened its doors to any and everybody. Always will. Thus, even though we are from that tradition, in Silicon Valley, we should open our doors to any and everybody and actually be a transformed community where we actually appreciate that there are people who are other than us. And if you don't, it's going to happen. Have you looked at our kids? (laughs) Have you looked at our kids, y'all? It's happening. (laughs) It will happen. But what happens if it happened intentionally? And we welcomed it. And we didn't shy away from difficult conversations. We didn't shy away from those things. Why? Because we actually are being transformed. So when you come in here, it's not just all the mess that they say out there, but in here, you family. In here, we take care of one another. In here, we are following Jesus. And if Jesus is leading us that way, we all go together. We are desiring to be a transformed community. So that means I'm finished, for real. (laughs) So, I believe God is calling us to be a part of this. And I believe a variety of you, there are a variety of places within this message that God began to strike your heart core. 
And I believe that God is calling more to this experience. And I know that God is doing something special here. And that doesn't mean that special things aren't happening in other places. I want to glory in that because our church is far more universal. But I'm thankful for what God is doing here. So when we move forward, this is where you should be. You should be desiring to read the word of God some level of daily practice because there's no way that you can change your mind without constantly having your thoughts re-engineered by God. You should be a part of DITW. You say, what is DITW? That means I know you're not a part of it. That means deeper in the word. That is our Sunday school. It is our Christian education. You should be involved. Why? Because we're constantly going through to understand what the word of God is saying. And you should constantly be checking in to the messages as we preach the word of God that we might be made different. The word of God should be the thing that we consistently go back to. Because it is the very power of God. It is not an accident that God spoke all of creation into being. God communicated early on that the very power of word meant something. And God's word ultimately. So when we go and do our best to try to categorize it and catalog it so we can hold on to it, This gives us that grace. It changes us, it challenges us, but it also tells us of the promises of God. This is the word of God. This is what we're being transformed into. This is us.